You're listening to Satellite Sisters. What's a Satellite Sister? The person you call when the best thing in your life happens or the worst. The person that gets you up, gets you going, and gets you through. And every once in a while, changes your mind. This podcast is part pep talk, part weekly check-in. Like grabbing coffee with a friend. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Satellite Sisterhood. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. Happy to be with you today. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California. I'm a writer and producer, and today I'm in the mother of a 23-year-old because it is my son oh. Colin's birthday today. So happy uh, birthday to Colin. Yeah, happy birthday to Colin. Happy birthday, Colin. This is Liz Dolan. I'm the middle sister. I'm back, at least for today. I'm back. And I was there at Colin's birth, which was one of the more magical moments of my entire life, Leanne. Being being present for the birth of your son. It was so, unexpected. That wasn't was, in the yes. birth <laughs> Once again, Liz is in a VIP situation. Hi, this is Julie Dolan. I'm the oldest sister, and I'm in Dallas, Texas. And I'd like to give a special $5 shout out to an unsung hero of this pandemic. Oh, okay. I'm about ears, our ears, okay? Mm-hmm. I realized it this weekend when I was left the house and I was wearing a visor, okay, no judgment, Leon. Um, <laughs> sunglasses, ear pods, earrings, and a mask. I mean, and if I could have figured out how to hang my car, uh, my door keys on my ears, I probably would, you know? <laughs> now we have to double mask everything. Let's hear it for ears. They yeah. have been doing a bang up job. I don't think mm-hmm. anyone has given a shout out to ears. And uh, I just say, thank you. <laughs> I like it, Joel. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Think about how many things you're anchoring on your ears. It's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. We're not meant for that. It is a lot. No, no. Okay. It does make me laugh when I see people's masks just hanging off their ears. I'm like, what? Yeah. How yes. far have we fallen? Like, just... that's, that's the resting position. Yeah. Mask up. yeah. All right. Yes. Yeah. So shout out for ears. Okay. All right. We have a full show today. We are looking forward to welcoming author Nancy Johnson with us. Her new book, The Kindest Lie, is out today. And it's really a fascinating look at all kinds of, uh, in, a, in fiction form, all kinds of things facing America today. It examines the divide between Black and white communities and the depths of the struggles faced by ordinary Americans. So it's really a very satisfying read. And we're looking forward to our conversation with Nancy. Also, we have a lot of entertaining sisters recommendations, everything from podcasts to movies to books. Uh, But uh, first, you know, Liz is here and uh, we're happy to have her back. So, you know, special guest star. (laughs) How do you want to be billed these days? Do you want... Like, a, what would I be on TV? Like a recurring guest slot? No. I think I would like to get back to being a series regularly. Yes, there you go. Good. Mm-hmm. We, would my, too. we would too, Liz. Yeah. My ambition is to be a series regular, as they say in the TV biz. And I would say that, you know, for the first time this week, this was the week that I felt like, as our mom would say, like I was turning the corner, sister. Yeah. <laughs> uh, turn, turning the corner. That's, mom would always say like, okay, are you turning the corner yet? Like, cause then she was going to do all, whatever the next stage of whatever needed to be done was. But you know, for people that have been following along, it's been a, it's been a month since I fell and I fractured my knee and my tibia. And I got to say the month has been pretty brutal. I'm just, I got to, say that loud it was not good sisters not good and you've witnessed some of this um and i think it would have been bad anyway like under any circumstances but coming where it did during the pandemic made some bad things even worse you know i've been thinking a lot about that you know we've all we've all been so isolated since last march and you know you're sort of looking forward to getting back to real life and now whammo you're even more cut off from the world. So that was psychologically, emotionally, physically really hard for me to to come to grips with. All of my interactions with the medical systems are pretty fraught, Lee, and you've been there for some Mm -hmm. of those, just like COVID protocols make everything that was hard, much harder, right? Right, Mm -hmm. yeah, and much, just much more tense. Yes, yeah, and and rushed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, everything is, it it does, there's nothing is easy about it. Yeah. And then I also realized the things that were keeping me sane during the pandemic, um, going for a nice walk, mm, no, can't do that. Right. Yeah, Quality time with Hooper, mm, no, had to send him away. 
Even cooking with Liz, I know, sisters. Liz. <laughs> cooking with Liz. I can't even like stand up in my kitchen and so cooking with Liz. Nope. So those were just little things I had going on. Right. even during the pandemic that were keeping my spirits up. So those are gone now too. And so I went from sort of a, a lonely year to now looking down the barrel at an even lonelier one. And it just felt overwhelming at times. And I know I talked to both of you about that. There were, there were moments in the last month where I just, I was just thought I was going to go crazy. Yeah. It, was, right. it was just, it was just much more for for as big as the physical slash medical challenge was, the emotional challenge of just getting a grip was. It's been super hard, mm-hmm. but now I'm turning the corner because <laughs> now I am much more focused on a few of the the practical things I can do to heal. It's all about the healing now, yeah. not just for the yeah, nation, yes. but for me personally. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Because, you know, and honestly, just being able to start physical therapy for as afraid as I was of that, it's made a huge difference because it makes me feel like, okay, I know what my job is every day. I have to do this three times a day, this set of exercises. And Julie, this is funny. Leon and I were talking about the PT because she came with me to my first appointment Mm -hmm. and then the follow-up exercises at home. When I was saying like, oh my God, every day is so long. Just how am I going to kill all it? Like, it's just so long. And Leanne's like, well, those exercises must take like, what, 45 minutes every time? I'm like, no, 10. I have 10 minutes worth of exercise. <laughs> so, you know, 10 minutes morning, noon, and night. Still only 30 minutes out of a super long day. I really so, thought that was going to be the anchor of her yeah, schedule. That would, you know, like to, that would be the building blocks yeah. of, uh, of the schedule. Yeah. 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 But it can no. certainly be a highlight, Liz. You can. Yes. You, can you know what, Julie? Build. Because it, it feels like progress. It feels yes, it like is. every little thing is progress. So now I'm much more focused on these practical things I can do to heal, uh, including a couple of lifestyle, lifestyle improvements around my home. <laughs> okay. Um, or at least the limited parts of my home I can reach in my wheelchair. Uh, because uh, you may or may not know this, sisters and misters, I have a sunken living room. Otherwise, I'm all on one level, but sunken living room. So I haven't been there in a month. I just look longingly at my living room. I can't get there from here. Uh, but there's a goal, long-term goal. Someday I will return to my living room. But uh, Julie, thank you for my grabber. That, yes. that was yes. really lifestyle improvement i know that liz i knew you needed a grabber yeah uh-huh. yep. you know what i do? i wheel myself to my front door every day thank god i get delivery of a real newspaper every day to my apartment door not down in the lobby because i can just open my door reach out there with my grabber i get my new york times i get my la times and there there's at least 30 minutes i can right. burn through <laughs> so that's good and, and then the other huge lifestyle improvement was Leanne. Thank you. Leanne convinced me not to tough it out. Just get a TV for your bedroom, Liz. Just get, just put a TV in your bedroom, which I think I was resisting because remember when they told us we should stop watching TV in our bedrooms? That you, you took know, the our, TV out of your bedroom, right? Uh, I, I took the cable box, Julie. I I left the TV hanging on the wall because I thought, well, I'm just gonna. She's lived, so of course she left. She was just going to save the cables, okay, and put that. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Okay, good, got it. So I I disconnected it. It was a 15-year-old TV at this point, but it was hanging on my wall, but it was just, anyway. So so Liam's like, just get a cheap TV. We'll come. We'll install it for you. Like, you're going to be spending a lot of time in your bedroom. For God's sakes, just get a TV, which was excellent advice. So so most of all, I want to thank you and Colin for coming this weekend and installing it. So what follows now is my audio Yelp review of your services, Liam. Okay. All right. So Julie, you know, well, listeners all know how Leon is constantly talking about, well, this weekend we moved this, we did that improvement. We did, we're redoing this part of the house. We did that part of the yard. The front yard is all redone. Well, let me tell you, it's true. And they have a system down these, this family. It was, I would say, five stars would definitely hire again. When you hire Leanne and any member of her crew, in this case, it's Colin, here's what you're going to get. Number one, they arrived exactly on time. And that included a curbside pickup at Best Buy because I ordered the TV. So they had to like swing by Best Buy West LA. They were so on time, Julie, 
that they even woke me up when they just walked into my bedroom. <laughs> I was napping. On time. Napping. On, on time. Service. That's what yes. we like. Yes. On time and double masked. So there you go. Number one, on time and double masked. Number two, there's a quick assessment of the situation that's going on. Leon is clearing the area of any unnecessary objects. It went way beyond the brief, you know? So the, like, I would have just figured out how to get a TV plugged in. She's like, no, won't it bug you to be looking at this thing here? We're removing that. Colin, remove that. So she's going way beyond anything I could have wanted and thinking, you're not going to want to lay in bed and look at this old like TV brace on the wall. And I was thinking, well, I don't care about that. But Leanne's like, no. <laughs> Leanne has a strong sense of uh, aesthetic. Was yeah. she wearing those shoe booties? I love that. <laughs> and put those little booties on. Okay, me. speaking oh. of booties, number th three, they had all the right tools. This is where my jobs always break down. Kitchen knives are not the perfect tool for every, uh, every home improvement job. Liz, and we've all watched Cooking with Liz. <laughs> we know, we know what, what equipment. The Betty, your spoon, your Betty Crocker spoon wasn't going to Yes, yeah. No, it was not good. What we needed here, they've got like the this ancient looking toolbox, very complete, including a complete set of Allen wrenches. What are the chances I had Allen wrenches? Zero. So, okay, that's number three. Number four, I credit them for innovative approaches and policies. So innovative approaches, their uh, use of towels, for moving heavy objects, Leanne, that's just such an insight. Uh, did you invent that? I, my husband did, I think. Yes, we <laughs> use a lot of towels around the house. Old towels as when we don't have furniture dollies or things like that. They can really, you know, move things around. Uh, you have a carpet. We didn't want to, we didn't want to rip your carpet, tear it mm -hmm, up. Mm -hmm. And the old TV was very, very heavy, as yes. was the glass shower door. Very, very heavy. <laughs> yes. Very heavy. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, so the 15 year old TV, you, you know, people may not remember, they used to make televisions out of iron, apparently, because mm. it was super heavy. And uh, so, yeah, so the towels for sliding, it was really genius. And uh, also policy, Julie, Leanne's crew, they're like totally focused on what I'll call under bed maximization. Um, <laughs> You need to, I would just remove the TV and then lean it against the wall over there and ignore it for six months. That's no. That's what she was going to do. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> it might no. fall over, Liz. Yes. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Liam's even like, well, what, what about an earthquake? Okay. Okay. So, so she's figuring out what fits under my bed, what needs to go to the, you know, recycling, whatever. So innovative approaches and policies get a lot of credit on that. You and Colin work incredibly well as a team and you work fast, Leanne. Mm -hmm. Is that that's just practice? Yeah. I mean, we, well, one, we want to get in and out. That's part of yeah. our COVID, you know, yeah, COVID uh, protocol, COVID protocol. We're not fooling around. We opened all the windows. We were masked uh, yeah. Two, you know, it was Sunday afternoon. We wanted to get home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had things to do. I had dinner to cook. <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah, we took the TV down. I finished up. Colin moved right into the bathroom without even saying a word. He was on the door, taking, that's removing a, your shower door. Yeah. Yes. That's what, that was my item number six, Julie. They moved right on to the second punch list item while I was still ooing and eyeing over the first. I was downloading the software to my new Roco TV. I was like, oh, look, it's working. They don't care. They don't care. They got that TV up. They, they had moved right on to the shower door, which is the, the Allen wrenches and then also the, you know, the towels to move the heavy shower door. That's now back here. It's actually right next to me right now in my second bedroom. It's in a safe place where it won't fall on me, uh, even in the event of an earthquake, the shower door is now safe so uh they're just moving right on to the second and we punch. did tape the hardware to the door oh we put it in a baggie and taped such, it yeah such a so, yes yes and, and number seven there was just a general attention to removing hazards in the home and getting any debris whether it was the old tv the boxes anything it's already gone from my home julie it's gone <laughs> it's either in the back of their car it's in the santa monica you know the alley system here in my yes. neighborhood you can put anything in an alley and someone's going to come take it away so by the time i mean it, it felt like you were there for about 12 minutes leanne boom <laughs> boom 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 and so not only do i have a new tv which has been a delight I have access to my master shower now for the first time in a month. So mood lifters, yes. lifestyle improvement. <laughs> I think really 
really significant in my rounding the bend. So five stars all the way along, Leanne, for all of that. Thank you. Thank you, Liz. Thank you. We appreciate that review. <laughs> so yeah and i didn't even tip them julie there was no tipping required they just they just That's, left they just took all there's no tools yeah i'm sure they swept the floor as they left yeah and, there's no uh, touching there's no nothing they're good, just gone good we took two lacroix <laughs> we took took two lacroix or lacroix however LaCroix. you're supposed to say it yeah. i'm not i don't i'm gonna stick with lacroix Okay. Okay. So, so all of this, you know, all of this contributed mightily to the rounding of the bend. So, so here we go. I have a new normal and I have a new set of priorities. So that's what led me to my theme for 2021. Oh, I know you, you guys already announced yours. It was a couple of weeks ago when I was not on the show. So I'm going to give special credit here to my occupational therapist, Sage. Sage has also lifted my spirits to help me to see that every day I'm in fact getting a little better, even oh, though it's, here, even though here, it's That's tiny great. increments, right. tiny increments. And you know, I'm not usually about the tiny. I know I'm, you're not, Liz. You're like big, big things. <laughs> I'm more about the big swings and the let it rip. And the, so the, the land of tiny increments, very hard for me to live in that land. Uh, but Sage was here working with me and she said, you are having little victories every day. Ah. So, so that is my theme for 2021, little victories every day. It's both my goal and it's something I need to be conscious of. I think those are very sage words from sage and it applies to a lot more than just like my medical physical condition. I think we're all in a place right now because this pandemic just seems to be going on forever mm -hmm. where we just have to keep focusing down on just those positive things that we can do that are getting better, that feel like victories. So that's what I'm gonna do. It's little victories every day. Some days it's a few more steps on my crutches, which is uh, just harrowing, but whatever. <laughs> Some days it's that. Other days it's finding a brand new television show on my brand new TV, bedroom TV. So there you go. 2020, 2021 for me, little victories every day. That's the I point. love it, Liz. I think it's a great one for you and for for everyone. So yeah. that's good. Yep. And you're and they're victories. That's a good word too. You know, that's yes. a big that's a big word, Liz. That's what Sage kept saying. You are healing. This is yeah. what healing is. You are healing. So that's you're not that. little steps. They're little victories. Yes. Thank you. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So you have to, you have to value what you can do and not focus on what you can't do. So, so that's it. There you go. Little victories every day. Great. All right, Liz, you sound good. You sound good today. Great. Okay. Good thank report. You. Excellent report. And thank you for the five. Thank you for the five stars. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Colin said he is available for any other tasks. He wanted okay. me to tell you that. Okay. Um, you know, speaking of sort of little victories and things you can do every day, I was really touched by Tony Bennett's family opened up this week um, to reveal that he has Alzheimer's, that he yeah. is 94 yeah. now. He's been living with the disease for four, four years. Uh, as a family, we went through Alzheimer's with our dad. So um, when I read the article in AARP magazine, I was really touched and moved by it because so much of it was so familiar. Even though he's Tony Bennett and our dad was our dad, the disease is the same. And so uh, the family decided to release the information because he actually has a new album coming out in this spring, more songs with Lady Gaga that he's been working on over the last four years. They had that big hit album five or six years ago before the disease was presenting itself but now they're working under very different conditions and i was just really touched by this article if your family um has been touched by alzheimer's i'm going to put a link in satellite sisters and i'll put it in our facebook group because you're going to see a lot of familiar things in it you know they're the whole family is trying so hard to hold it all together you know yeah. but yeah. the one thing that he can do is sing Right. You know, that's the thing mm -hmm. where he can always go back to that. And I remember even our dad at the very last, you know, days of his life when he was really struggling to speak at all, we'd take him to mass and he would say those prayers and he would right. sing those hymns, even mm -hmm. though he 
didn't know who we were. He mm-hmm. knew that stuff. And so that really struck me. Like there's just so many similarities. And one of the differences between Alzheimer's dementia and other kinds of dementia is that the people are aware of what they're going through and they they can hide it really well, mm-hmm. you know? And you remember how dad like had a couple of key stories and, right. you know, for a couple of years at Thanksgiving or family events, he'd tell those stories and people would be like, well, your dad's great. He seems totally fine. Right. But he wasn't like the next day he, you know, couldn't communicate at all, but he could hold it together for right. the public. And that's yeah. what, when I read this piece in AARP, um, that's what it sounded like that he, the last couple of years when he's been performing like those, that, those performances have been so hard for him to hold it all together and put it out there. But then, um, you know, but then he goes back and shows very similar, um, similar symptoms as our dad did. So anyway, we wish Tony Bennett and his family the best. I'm so glad they came forward. I think the more people that talk about Alzheimer's, the more information is out Mm -hmm. there, the more people understand that, you know, this is a phase in life and a lot of Americans are going through it. 5 million Americans, but we wish him all the best. So I will put a link to that. There's um, the article in AARP has a lot of, um, has, uh, has a whole checklist of symptoms and how to get help for your loved ones. So yep. I think that's important. That's great, Leanne. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Hey, sisters, can we just end this little segment with some good news, a sure. good news story of the week? Okay. okay. Well, as you know, everybody wants to get the vaccine and we're so grateful to all the healthcare workers that are that are out there, to the firefighters, EMTs, everybody that are administering the um, vaccine. But you know, there's a whole new group of skilled pros that have stepped in to help. And I think this is really a great thing. The state of Massachusetts tapped the race director for the Boston Marathon to help run one of the mass vaccination centers that was opening in Fenway Park. And you know, the reason reason why, Liz, because you're a marathoner, um, Uh you know this, road race people, they know how to do things quickly and orderly, right? That's what they need to do. And that's what you need when when you get a shot, okay? How about the same in Washington state? Another group that knows a lot about lines and delivering products, Starbucks and Amazon are being pressed into service for vaccination operations and logistics. The one I love is in South Carolina because a lot of these vaccination centers are drive-through and they had one in South Carolina that was getting really backed up and the mayor of the town went to the local Chick-fil-A manager and said, you've got a great drive-through at Chick-fil-A. Can you help us speed up our drive-through vaccination? And you know what? That manager was able to do that. Okay. Wow. So, so yes, great. Okay. <laughs> event managers are getting involved. Okay. You out there in LA, I mean, come on, Disney is right. producing mass vac- vaccinations. And I'm sure because it's a California thing, you're, wa- you're going to want to get your vaccination, you know, a Disney vaccination. <laughs> yeah. So that's good. But concert logistics people, wedding planners, roadway race organizers, as I said, and here in Texas, the Texas Speedway is opening up. They are set to give 10,000 vaccines a day. So that, I hope they use the checkered flag. I can just see you get your shot. (laughs) You get the checkered flag. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> that would be great, Julie. That would be I great. I don't know. But I just think it's wonderful that, um, that uh, you know, particularly groups of people that have been hard hit by the pandemic, such as event, events planners, wedding planners, they're getting in they're, and they're getting, um, getting into the operation. So that's my good news story of the week. Thank you, Julie. Excellent. All right, coming up, we're going to talk to writer Nancy Johnson. She is a longtime journalist and corporate PR person, and her first novel, The Kindest Lie, is out today. It's getting a lot of buzz. It's on all kinds of lists, but you know whose list it's on? Me and Julie. We read it, and we absolutely loved it. It's called The Kindest Lie. It captures the profound racial injustices and class inequalities that is roiling American society. Uh, It's it's an unflinching view of motherhood and contemporary America and, you know, that never ending quest to achieve the American dream. And it has really great characters and the plot moves along very nicely. So stay with us. We're talking to Nancy Johnson next. Hey, it's Liz and Leanne here, and we want to thank Pros for supporting this episode of Satellite Sisters. Now, you know, Liz, I've been out and about with my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical. The book is getting rave reviews. I'm very happy. But you know what else is getting rave reviews? My hair, Liz, my hair from pros is getting 
rave reviews. Leon, I am not surprised. You have been on that pro's hair regimen for quite a while. I mean, you have good hair anyway, but now you have great hair because you've really paid attention to it. Well, Liz, pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. And you know what? I love the regimen they have me on. I, do I take the hair vitamins every day? Yes, I do. Do I use my shampoo and conditioner made especially for Lee and Dolan? Yes, I do. Do I sometimes use the leave-in conditioner when it's, my hair's really dry? I do. And I even have a pre-scalp thing that they give me. Okay, pros, you, you're the boss. I'll take it. <laughs> you tell me what my hair needs. That sounds good. And here's the thing. It's personalization, Liz. For yeah. millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely Leans. Okay? And I'm I'm using it. Pros mm-hmm. isn't just better for you. It's also better for the planet, Liz. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. So, Pros, we love you. I love the photos of my hair. Couldn't be happier. <laughs> photos of your hair. There are people in the photos, too. That's the thing about a book tour. Everybody yeah. has their picture taken with Leon and then post it. So yeah. the hair is important. <laughs> Couldn't be happier, Pros. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin. They're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash sisters. So you get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash sisters. And pros is spelled P-R-O-S-E, pros.com slash sisters. Thanks, pros. We're back. We're the Satellite Sisters, Leon and Julie here, and we're so excited to talk to Nancy Johnson. She is a debut author, but a very experienced writer and communicator. And her new book, The Kindest Lie, uh, it's pub today. Today is her book birthday. Nancy, welcome to Satellite Sisters. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be with you. Well, Julie and I have both had the opportunity to read the book. I got it last fall. Uh, It was good book mail from uh, William Morrow. And Julie got an advanced copy. Yeah. Yeah. She ripped through it. You ripped through it, didn't you? Yes. It's that kind of book where you're just so engaged with the characters that you just want to keep going. So Nancy, congratulations. Thank you. I love hearing that feedback because, you know, because you spend so much time with a book in your head for so many years and it's wonderful when readers actually are connecting with it. Yeah, this is an exciting time for you. Do you have huge plans for today? I mean, are you all dressed up and sitting in a closet somewhere <laughs> for your big book tour? I know, right? I'm in a, I'm in a t-shirt um, uh, that says well-read black girl and some scruffy baggy <laughs> jeans. And so I don't look very good right now, but it's a busy day. I'm talking with you all. So that's a highlight of the day. And then after that, I'm heading to a bookstore to sign Oh, that's so uh, copies fun. of books, which is fun because we can't have in-person events. So it's still fun to go there and sign books. And then this afternoon, I'm talking to Robin Call of Reading with Robin on Instagram sure. Live. Mm. And then the librarian, Ron Block of Cuyahoga County Public Library tonight. So full day and full night. <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, you deserve it. The book is terrific. Now, because Julie and I have read it, but all, most of the Satellite Sisterhood will not have, except, of course, Ron Block, Satellite Mister. <laughs> um, you know, we don't want to give the plot away because there are a couple of key details. So how do you describe the kindest lie? I'm going to make you do the plot work. How do you describe the book, Nancy? Sure. I describe the kindest lie as a story of family, sacrifice, and love, and the pursuit of the American dream, all of it at the dawn of the Obama era. And the story centers on a woman named Ruth Tuttle. She's a Black engineer from Chicago, Ivy League educated, very successful and on the come up. She's got this great husband and a Mm -hmm. new house and everything's going her way, but she's been harboring a big secret. She gave birth to a baby when she was just a teenager and left him behind in the dying Indiana factory town where she grew up. And her husband doesn't know about any of this, by the way. So she goes back to her hometown to search for her son. When she gets there, she finds her grandmother and brother who've been keeping all kinds of secrets. And then she meets and forms an unlikely friendship with a young white boy nicknamed Midnight. And he's mired in the very poverty that she managed to escape. And so when the two of them get together, they're on this collision course of race and class, and both of their lives are changed forever. You'll have to read the book to find out how. Wow. Okay. You nailed that description. (laughs) That was was (laughs) it. Good. <laughs> Just keep keep saying that same thing because that it, it that's the thing. It's so 
you know, compelling the story. It just kept moving forward. You, you know, you just couldn't put the book down, Nancy. Oh, I love to hear that. Yes. You know, I was surprised when I read uh, in my prep for this, that it took you six near years to finish this novel, which as a writer, I get because no one ever cares if you write your first book, right? No one was right. like, when's that first <laughs> book going to be done? No yeah. one cares. Right. But as a reader, the book felt so of the moment, like, you know, to address some of the, you know, the conversation of racial reckoning that came up last summer and continues now. It was almost like you whipped it up last summer to address what was happening in the news, which of course is crazy because that isn't how it works at all. So how did the story evolve over the six years of you writing it? Yeah, that, it's so strange. So many people ask me about that and they think I wrote this during the Trump years, but I didn't. I actually wrote it, uh, started it during the second term of Obama. Yeah. And I was inspired by the events of 2008 when he was elected president because it was a time of such great hope and that hope was palpable. And, uh, you know, I was very hopeful and so many people around me. And it didn't matter what your race or political persuasion was, really. People thought we had transcended a barrier electing our first black president. Right. But I mean, I just saw the ugliness though in my social media feed. Like that's when Facebook was really just getting going around that time. And I knew right away that there's nothing post-racial about what's happening here. And I think what's happened since then has been a backlash against the Obama years, you know, with Trumpism and all of that. Um, but it's just interesting that when Obama was elected, I think people were looking for a savior in that sense of hope. And now we've just elected Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, who's a black and South Asian woman. And once again, people are looking at them to, or looking to them, I should say, to save us. But I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think symbolically and even substantively, this is a time of change, but mm -hmm. the country is still broken and there's so much work mm -hmm. to do. Um, but yeah, I definitely see the parallels and you're right about the whole racial violence. Everything we saw last year with George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, their deaths, we saw the similar things in the Obama years too, with the killing of Trayvon Martin and the Absolutely. Charleston, South Carolina shooting. Right. So yeah, it's just interesting how history repeats itself. Or, or yeah, or just has never really fixed anything. Right, nothing just has that, changed. Yeah, nothing has really changed, but it was interesting to me that you set the book, because um, I was reading it last summer. That's how far in advance I got it. So you set the book at that time. It was that, that period after the election, but before inauguration of Barack Obama. And that's just so, it was such a palpable period of hope. And then you go, you know, the story takes you to this town that's pretty hopeless. <laughs> Where yeah. I, I think that's why the book is a really good book club pick because the themes are really clear. I mean, we're talking at a pretty high level, but we've already talked about how compelling the characters are. But the themes of race, class, education, those are all, you know, throughout the book and really palpable. There's a lot to talk about. But the one that really resonated with me, Nancy, was opportunity. You know, it feels like almost every character touches the opportunity at one point or another and makes different decisions. And Ruth, your main character, makes this huge sacrifice for, uh, you know, her opportunity. Is that something you've seen in your own life or you've watched friends go through that opportunity equals sacrifice? Um, I have. I mean, I, I think about my own family and my mother, you know, she sacrificed a lot for me to have the education I, you know, that I have. And you know, she went to school, back to school, you know, to get her master's degree, you know, as an adult while I was in school, you know, just so she could get a better job and send me to even better schools. And, you know, so both of my parents have sacrificed for me, but certainly not to the extent I think is what, you know, as dramatic as some of the right. things you see uh, in the novel. So nothing is autobiographical at all. But you're right about every character touching opportunity. And that's what was so interesting to me about 2008 and the rise of Obama. So many people um, were were seeking opportunity and feeling like they finally had a chance at the American dream. You know, if yeah. someone who looks like me can be in the highest office in the land, then that can be possible for me. And I think so many in the black community saw that. And I think that's what you see with Ruth and her family. But then you also had many in the white community, particularly the white working class, like Midnight right. and her right. family, who are saying, what about us? You know, you don't really see us and we're being left behind. You know, and even though we've got Butch, Midnight's dad, you know, he's a bigot, <laughs> but he also loves his son and he wants opportunity for him. So you've got so many people who are striving for that upward mobility and falling short of it. 
Yeah. Okay, I'm going to ask a super obvious question. Did you grow up in a small town or are you from, a, did you grow up in a town like the town in the book? No, I grew up okay. in Chicago, so okay. in a big city on the <laughs> south side, and that's where the story begins, yeah, right. the kindness lie in Chicago, but I did, and a lot of people have said that, it's so funny, I did another, another interview where the interviewer said she spent all this time Googling Ganton, Indiana, trying to find it and couldn't, as it's fictitious, so it's not a real town but it's I fell for it I completely fell for it really you thought it was real (laughs) yeah (laughs) I you know Nancy I started my career in the steel business and I just felt like okay this is you know broke down you know midwestern you know maybe there was a steel mill kind of kind of town so I I really understood that yeah but I do have family in Gary Indiana which is a steel mill you know town Um, and then I also have a family in Anderson Indiana and there was a um, General Motors um, Delco Remy plant there uh, in this small town, and it closed. So I've had experience of, you know, having families, you know, living in towns where the, the main industry that was the beating heart of that town was shuttered and seeing what the impact is on people's lives. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the reasons I guess it took you, you know, six years to write the book is, is that you work full time. I'm interested yes. in your story as a writer. You, you were in the news business, you were a journalist, and then you moved to corporate PR and you wrote this in your spare time, which, that's, uh, you know, yeah. tell people what that's like, because I get asked that a lot on book tours, you know, where do you find the time to write a book? And I always say you have to make the time. So h- how did you make the time to write? That's this? so true. And, you know, when people hear that I, it took me six years to write the book, I was not writing every day for six years. You know, there were many months that I didn't even touch this story, yeah. you know, because like you said earlier, because it was my first book, no one was sitting around waiting for the kind <laughs> of lie. So it was really whenever I could get to it. I would work on it. Um, But yeah, I worked in news for many years. It turned into kind of the, if it bleeds, it leads. And I had seen so much death and destruction and I wanted to do something different. So yeah, I moved into corporate PR and and corporate communications. That's what I do now. And I write, um, you know, in my spare time. So with my job that I'm in now, I'm at a large nonprofit um, healthcare organization. And so when we were working in the office before the pandemic, that's when I was writing, I had a long commute, an hour and a half each way, and it was a driving commute. So I didn't have the opportunity to uh, write, you know, on my commute. And so, so many ideas would come to me when I'm driving on the interstate, and I couldn't write them down. And sometimes I'd say, well, I'll wait till I get to the office, and I'll remember, but I never remembered. So I started using the voice memo function on wow. my phone. Oh, really? Yeah. So oh, great. <laughs> I, I would record, you know, just say, you know, pieces of dialogue or narration into my phone and uh, come back to it later and uh, drop those nuggets into my book. <laughs> so that was fun. And then when I um, would get home from work, though, I had an accountability partner, like in the last oh, year of writing the book. And so she's yeah. in California. I'd get home at 6.30 p.m., she would call me, we'd talk for a few minutes and say, this is what we're going to work on. And then we'd hang up and write for two hours. And then at the end of that period, I would call her and we would say, here's what we accomplished. Oh, that is a great story. That, that's smart. That's good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I signed you did for that my- every day after work, Nancy? You yeah, every day after work. And then we also did it on the weekends too. And so that was like in the last year of writing right. that I did that. Wow. Fantastic. That's a great story. That should inspire people. It's hard. To, it's the hardest thing about writing a novel is finishing it. Is yeah, because I would come home from work and I just want to lie on the couch and, you know, eat and sleep, all that stuff, watch TV. <laughs> That's what pandemic is for. No, you can do that now. Now you're right. Good. Right. <laughs> um, you know, uh, so like a lot of white people last summer, Nancy, I'm raising my hand here. I rushed off and I read a lot of nonfiction in order to understand what was happening. Yeah. Um, and it was, and I listened to a lot of podcasts. I'm a podcast girl, but I'm wondering where you think contemporary black fiction has to offer uh, that nonfiction can't in terms of understanding the day-to-day issues affected by race. I mean, yeah. I found your book as illuminating as anything mm-hmm. I, I, I read or listened to last year. So I know that's a big burden to put on you, but I wonder what you think it has to offer readers like me. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because I've been saying that, that, yeah, I mean, last year after all of those incidents of racial violence, yeah, everybody, particularly white America, was going out and buying all this nonfiction and doing their anti-racism reading and um, kind of cramming, sometimes I say, for the, for the racism test. But uh, <laughs> we, were, we were cramming. Cramming, right, right. Let's <laughs> get it all in these yeah. books. Uh, but, you know, and that's all good. And I think uh, nonfiction has a lot to offer. But I think there's a power in fiction 
um, that really gets to the heart of some of these issues because you're able to understand the, the issues through character and through story. And I think novels like mine help to build empathy and help us to walk in the shoes of characters, of people we've never met before, people whose lives we can't relate to or we don't think we can relate to and understand. And also, it puts a little bit of distance, you know, because I think when a lot of people are reading the nonfiction books, they get defensive sometimes. Like, oh, no, 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 I don't do any of that. I'm not racist like that. But then sometimes you can see it better when it's in scene and you've got the characters that you can really dig into. So I think that's the power uh, of fiction. That's mm. such a great answer, Nancy, because I agree, because I think it was Ruth's search for authenticity, for being as real, you know, that that really hooked me. And, you know, just that you, you know, that you could see from her, the burden of, of her, you know, what she was holding back, of what she had to face every day, what her child had to face every day, I think was so well illustrated in your book. Thank you. And also through the character of Midnight, you know, you got oh, to absolutely. see him yeah. and how he navigates the world versus his friends who are black and brown, you know, and he's so oblivious to it and he's innocent, you know, but he doesn't even see the differences. And even though he's poor and has those challenges economically, there's still white privilege right. that exactly. is a benefit for him. Yes. I mean, it's a great, you know, example of, of white privilege in a way that you wouldn't expect, you know. Well, we wish you the best of luck with the book. It's called The Kindest Lie. You do have an ambitious virtual book tour plan, but I just wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to give you the opportunity to mourn the book tour you didn't get. Are you, what do, are you, are you sorry that you're not going to be traveling all over the place and, you know, being with friends and family at this time and getting to meet people or have you, have you uh, accepted that? You can wine here. You can totally right. wine here, Nancy. Right, yeah. right. No, no. I mean, in the early stages of the pandemic, yeah, I was whining about it. And because I had this image in my mind, I hadn't even contacted the bookstore about it, but there's a bookstore, Volumes Bookstore in Chicago. I'm going there to sign books later today. They opened a new store, 900 North Michigan Avenue. So right there in the heart of Michigan oh, Avenue, yeah. where it's beautiful, you know, beautiful scenery. They've, they're in this small type building, you know, with floor to ceiling windows. And I was like, oh, I'm going to do that in the evening. And because I've got that scene in the book where there's this white party where Ruth and her friends, they're all dressed in white and they're walking along Michigan <laughs> Avenue. And I thought this is going to be the perfect backdrop for that scene. I'm going to read that scene. So I had it all planned out, mm. but I mourn the loss of that. Okay. But I think now this is even better because I'm able to reach so many more people now in the virtual environment all over the, the country and possibly the world even that I never would have reached um, before if I were only doing in-person events. Okay, that's the way to pivot. All right, well done, well done, you did it. <laughs> good, good, glad that worked. Minimal well, whining. <laughs> well, because we all think our book tour is going to be like Sex in the City, you know? Exactly. She just, oh, we're not oh, all these tours. That Carrie yeah. Bradshaw moment. <laughs> okay, but you've made the pivot. I, I appreciate it. Well, Nancy, congratulations. Happy book birthday. We wish you all the best for the kindest lie. Thanks for being on Satellite Sisters. Thank you. This was so much fun. Liz, you know we love talking about Framebridge, don't we? We do. <laughs> because, because there are just so many fun things to frame, Leon, aren't there? Right. Anything. You can just upload a digital photo from your phone and they can print it and frame it. And that is a gift right there, a gift people would love getting. But Liz, you recently had quite an exciting Framebridge experience. Would I, I you did. like to share? Would you like you know, to? I talked about how when we were at the Bruce Springsteen concert, I was with our brother Dick, his wife Susan, his two kids, and one of the roadies threw us the set list at the end of the show, which was amazing to get the actual set list for the actual concert in Los Angeles. And we're like, oh, yeah, any day now, that's going to be in a place of honor in their home. Sure enough, Leon, they have already framebridged it and sent it to us with a picture. So I'll be in Bend next week, so I'll get to see it. But it's just excellent use of the Framebridge resources, the Bruce Springsteen set list. Fantastic. And this is gift giving season. So if you have a graduation coming up, a wedding, a shower, Mother's Day, Father's Day, look around. I'm sure you have something fun you can frame and Framebridge can do it for you. It's easy and it's affordable to frame just about anything. You get fair and transparent upfront pricing based on the size of your item. There's a great selection of frames. And as we've said in the past, fast service, free shipping, great for gifts. Mm -hmm. And guess what? 
Liz, not many things in life give you a happiness guarantee, but Framebridge does. If you're not 100% happy with your piece, they will make it right. So if this but sounds you like- you're going to be happy, okay? Yeah. And that's just the Satellite Sisters promise. You're going to be out. You're going to be happy you did it. See why Framebridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit framebridge.com or see a local Framebridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything, like a Bruce Springsteen set list. That's framebridge.com. Thanks, Framebridge. All right, we are back. Um, you know, we haven't mentioned our event in April in a while, but it is happening. So I just, it's still <laughs> happening. It is. And so April is still happening. I'm glad to hear that. That, just, that was sort of in doubt. But <laughs> so it's a virtual event with the good folks at Sixth and I. Uh, they are organizing it all, going to provide the platform. We are just arriving and entertaining and celebrating 20 years of sisterhood. It's April 11th. All five sisters will be there. So myself, Liz, Julie, Monica, Sheila, we're all going to be there. The time we've decided is 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, even though, and I kid you not, Sheila said 4 p.m. Pacific was, quote, too late for her. <laughs> <laughs> That's dinner time, you know. <laughs> Get those early bird dinners. <laughs> I mean, of course, they're curbside now, but still early birds. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. So if Sheila can stay awake, she's going to be with us. Yeah. We're going to have to. We're going to have to send her a coffee at like two p.m. Pacific. So <laughs> yeah, she it's can a make, Sunday, right? It's the a 11th. Sunday. It's a Sunday. This is going to be delightful on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. yeah. So the tickets are going to go on sale in a couple of weeks. So we will fill you in. We just wanted you to save the date, April eleventh. 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, all five sisters, virtual event. There'll be games and quizzes and special things happening and merchandise. We're working on it right now, um, but that's a save the date reminder. Save the date reminder, April 11th, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Okay, that's really something to look forward to. Can't wait. All right, so here we are. It's time for Entertaining Sisters. I have an entertainment recommendation I would like to make, and you know that my my filter now, uh, my 2021 filter, is that I'm looking for entertainment that, uh, number one, lifts my spirits, and number two, takes a long time, right? I just, <laughs> I just don't have any time for short things anymore. I need to burn through some of these hours in the day. So I would like to recommend a brand new 10-part podcast series uh, on Audible, um, 10 parts. That's, that, that's what really got my attention. And it's called The History of Sketch Comedy. Now, many of you may know Keegan-Michael Key. He was one of the two stars of Key and Peele, the sketch comedy show he did with Jordan Peele. Anyway, hilarious, talented, so funny. And he and his wife, Elle, created this 10-part series that's really just about the history of humor. It starts way back in your days, Leanne. It starts with the Greek comedies. Oh, okay. uh, it comes all the way, you as a classics major, I know, those are close to your heart, through uh, Commedia dell'arte and up to like the Three Stooges and Eddie Murphy. And it's an unusual thing because he kind of deconstructs like why have the same things always been funny throughout history oh. and what how many things are really the same that the greeks invented or you know the medieval jesters inventor invented and now we see them on saturday night live but you know there are just certain things that humans have always found funny and certain ways humans have always found of like getting a rise out of an audience so it's and oh and here's another thing you know they could have done it as kind of a clip show or you know highlights from other things but no he acts all of them out himself and oh i was wondering if they use clips yeah oh. yeah apparently no clips available of those early greek comedies yeah so, so he just decided aristophanes he can handle aristophanes so it's keegan michael key doing all of the parts and all of the voices and as he takes you through why he thinks these you know sketches are so funny so it's kind of deconstructing it from a professional point of view as he's as a performer and a joke writer, but also just as an audience, it's totally delightful. So I would recommend that it's on Audible, The History of Sketch Comedy. And you know, I think for those of you who are already Audible subscribers, go for it. If you're not, 
you might try using the code SISTERS. I think, I think you might even get a free trial still if yeah. you try, try using our promo code. I, I'm, I'm not promising anything, just saying. If you want to try, if you want to try Audible, uh, go for it. Um, but the history of sketch comedy, super funny, times 10. That's what I would say. Okay, Liz, that's a good one. Well, Liz, I have a recommendation for you. I know Leon has seen this, and many of the Satellite Sisters have seen it. It's uh, it's not long, but it's good, Liz. It's called The Dig on, on Netflix. And I would describe this as Downton Abbey meets Great British Baking Show meets uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay. Oh, wow. It's, it's, it's people are digging the dig. That's, uh, that's what you should know, Liz. And I think you would enjoy it. It's got a great cast, Ralph Fiennes, Carrie Mulligan, Lily James is in it. We love her. And get this, sisters. Do you know the actress who plays Basil Brown's wife is an actress named Monica Dolan is also in the dig. You're kidding. Wow. Okay. Okay. She, she narrates a lot of audiobooks that I listen to as well. (laughs) She's lovely in this. So this is just lovely. It's uplifting, Liz. Um, It would be a tiny victory to watch uh, The Dig. Yeah, I watched it this weekend with my husband, you know, big fan of archaeology. So this is based on a true story of an incredible dig that happened just before, you know, at the dawn of World War II. And uh, a woman just wanted some of these mounds dug up on her property and she found an excavator and it became one of the biggest finds ever in British archaeological history. Of course, then the men took it over of the British Museum. But it's really fun and it's been fun to see the reaction on, I follow a lot of archaeologists and classicists on on Twitter. So they all feel like this is a great film. Like it's a great (laughs) film about why archaeology is special and necessary because it is a little bit of a love letter to history and to literally and figuratively digging into your past and understanding what's come before you and why that's important as you go off into the future. So a uh, lot of props on archaeology Twitter for the movie okay. as well. I enjoy <laughs> Put that on your list. Now I have another one that I have very high hopes for um, because I read the book news of the world um and now it's out in a movie with tom hanks and you can find it i guess on hbo max amazon prime video uh but i kind of want someone to watch it first and report back to satellite sisters because i enjoyed the book but it's sort of it was sort of a moody uh small book it's set in texas which uh at in the aftermath of the civil war uh, and I just hope they don't ruin the book uh, with the movie. So uh, could someone please watch <laughs> of the world and let me know. Have okay. we ever done it that way? Have we put a request out? Because I, I just. I think, yeah, you can be the assignment editor. Sure. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Do All right. It. So, okay. So I'm going to recommend a book that uh, none of us have read, but we are all highly recommending. And when I explain the story, you'll understand why. I'm putting this under the category of best tale of podcast miscommunication since Herb Banana. Now, you have often heard Julie say at the top of every show that she is Urban Nana, that she takes care of her citified grandchildren as their Nana, and a lot of that happens in urban areas. And we had apparently more than one listener who for years thought she was saying that she was Herb banana and never understood what that meant and but just didn't even bring it up just went with it they went with her banana and uh so uh we got a big kick out of that so this is similar this is from longtime listener moira mcgarvey black and she was listening to us talk about the tv series fossey verdon which was about the choreographer bob fossey and his wife gwen verdon and you know we talked about it a lot last year lee and you and i went to that panel that they did it was a lot of for a while we were like you know fossey verdon fossey verdon fossey verdon a lot (laughs) yes you were yes and we think that you understand what we are saying but apparently not so much because Moira was outside listening and it was kind of noisy, she said, and she thought we were calling it the fussy virgin, that we were recommending something <laughs> called fussy virgin. 
So she went online, she couldn't find it. There was no fussy virgin. Um, but then she re-listened to the podcast and she figured out. And so she had posted that story on the Facebook page when that first happened. And of course, we thought it was hilarious in the herb banana kind of way. Uh, but here's the thing. Moira's a novelist, and at the time, she was midway through a romantic comedy manuscript about a writer. So after this whole brouhaha, she decided to call the book uh, the main character was writing, The Fussy Virgin. Oh, my <laughs> and gosh. So she used The Fussy Virgin as the uh, fictional name of a book in her fiction that she was writing and it's a book about finding your soulmate and so this all happened at the end of 2019 and so next week her new romantic comedy novel called the fussy virgin will be released by bloodhound books so we just all need to buy one come on yes. people yes and and she she points out she wanted us all to know but also let us know that she thanks us in the acknowledgments in the book. So Moira, you really didn't need to do that, but of course we're incredibly grateful. She said she wouldn't have gotten there without us. And so it's a thank you to everyone in the Satellite Sisterhood. So she calls it serendipitous and we agree. Good luck with the book, Moira. That is really a great accomplishment. That's a great story. I love it. I love it. Thank you for posting that. If you are not a member of our Facebook group, um, come on over. All you have to do is uh, search Satellite Sisters on Facebook. Uh, we're a private group. You do have to answer a couple of questions. They are not hard. We just uh, want to make sure that the listeners in the group also, or the people in the group also listen to the podcast. And uh, we'd love to have you. We have a lot of fun things happening there all the time. I like to think of it as like the best behaved corner of the internet. Um, <laughs> people are just very very supportive and very warm. It's a real sister and misterhood over there. And, uh, and Moira, thank you for posting that on the Facebook group. It really made us laugh. Um, okay. We want to thank a couple of people. We want to thank Sergio Enriquez for engineering the show today. Thank you, Sergio. A big thank you to our advertisers. Uh, Satellite Sisters wouldn't be possible without these sponsors. And it wouldn't be possible without you who support the sponsors. So a big thanks to you as well. Thanks to Nancy Johnson, our author today. Her book is The Kindest Lie. More information at SatelliteSisters.com. Again, we do the show notes. They're, Liz does them. They're very thorough. There are mm -hmm. lots of links, places you can go to buy things and read things and things like that. So uh, if you're looking for information, SatelliteSisters.com is a place to start. Or Liz, you tell me you can just tap the cover art. Is that true? Yeah, if you listen... Yeah, if you listen to your podcast on any of the podcast app, if you tap the cover art or look where sometimes it just says details and you hit the um, the link that says details and you'll see all of our show notes there. And we always include the sponsors and the right sponsor links. So it's always there. And on the podcast page um, at SatelliteSisters.com, it's always there too. All right. Uh, okay. Time for our to-do list for the week. Julie, what's on your to-do list? Okay. Well, uh, first, I am starting a second chance program this week by trying foods that I don't like just to make sure that I still don't like them. You know. <laughs> so this week it's beets. I don't like beets, but I'm going to try them just to make sure I still feel that way. <laughs> I, I think they're overrated. I think a couple of beets are fine, but a giant plate of beets, who needs that? I okay. Don't Okay. I agree, Julie, on my farm box that I get every week, yeah. you, can, you can list certain things that you never want. Yeah. Beets, beets, beets are on my okay, well, never. I'm going to see if I still feel that way. <laughs> yeah. I'll report back. Okay. Okay. I feel like we have some beet farmers that listen to the show. So yeah. see, that's um, why the second chance I'm trying even, it again. Yes. You know? And I like in moderation. I like my beets in moderation. All right. Well, it's back. I'm really going to try to put out a pep talk uh, this week. Uh, in Now that we're in February, I had to take January off the, um, the newsletter because I just, <laughs> I just couldn't get to it. <laughs> it's, it's a one man operation and I'm just the one man. So, but this week pep talk will be back. So if you have subscribe to our newsletter. It's another good reason to go to SatelliteSisters.com. As soon as you go to our website, um, a little invite pops up and you just fill in your email. We don't sell the list or anything because we don't know how to do that. But uh, in general, on Fridays, you're going to get a little pep talk newsletter in your inbox. 
So that's what's happening for me this week. Liz, what's, what's going on there? I mean, okay. it sounds like a big week already. <laughs> tiny, what tiny victory are you planning? Yep. It's, uh, here's what it is, Julie. Um, I need to devise a hot beverage transportation solution. Here's what I realized this morning when I was in my wheelchair coming down the hall to my office where we record is that I could not do that with a cup of coffee in my hand. Uh, and so how am I going to work in my office if I can't get some coffee down this end of the hall? Right. So like, what's the plan for, do I like bring the coffee, then come back and then, I don't know, whatever. Do I need like a coffee caddy for my wheelchair? I don't know. I don't know, but I feel like it's a, it's a little victory I could uh, engineer for myself. Just figure out what, how am I going to get just a cup of coffee into my office. That's it. That's okay. You say that would be a little victory. That's it. That's it. That's very little. Very little. I know. That's but important. That's big. That's big. Liz, it's great to have you back on the show. That's been a victory. Thanks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. All right. We're the Satellite Sisters. Have a great week, sisters. You too, Leanne. And don't forget, call your Satellite Sisters.